I remember when there was um, some divorce going on between some famous couple and the person who was commenting about it on the air was saying, well, they had a successful marriage. They were married 25 years. And I really took offense to that because Mm -hmm. just because people are married for a long time um, doesn't mean that it's successful, number one. And number two, if they're breaking up, then how can we say it was successful? This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss marriage perspective. How do you know if you're doing it right? How do you know if you're in a good relationship? Stay tuned. Do you want to make 2017 the best year yet for your marriage? Subscribe to the Hitch newsletter so you can stay up to date with the latest marriage information and tips from the leading experts. Go to hitchmag.com. There is a gray box on the right-hand side asking for your email address. Click subscribe and you're done. Again, that's hitchedmag.com. You can click the newsletter link to see all the newsletters we offer, or you can fill out your email address in the subscribe box. Click the subscribe button, and you're done. Happy New Year. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the always amazing, the original, Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. You just keep flattering me because you know that by doing that, I'm going to keep talking to you. I have to. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid that you're going to one day and be like, enough, enough. Um, okay. So we have, uh, uh, I love, so for a little inside baseball here, I, uh, for the most part, will come up with some of these topics and uh, I will send them over to Karen and she will look at them. And uh, she replied to me on this one and said, oh, interesting. And so I was frightened that I didn't know if this was going to be a good interesting or we needed to rethink this one. But she said it's a good one. So hopefully you guys think so, too. Uh, Okay, so I want to talk about marriage perspective and Mm -hmm. having perspective. Um, and I came up with this idea. I was reading about the California economy, as you do when you live in California. Uh, and it, par- part of this article described um, the different income levels of the residents. And it basically said, and I'm going to round these numbers, but the, the gist was the top 1% in California, a- as an individual, they made out $250,000. Or as a couple or a family, the household income was $500,000. Roughly again, uh, and it just got me thinking about how there, just in life in general, there is no scorecard to show how well you're doing um, or not doing, for that matter. And for most people, they kind of judge that essentially like how they feel. Um, and I know there's research uh, behind expectations and perception, and there's things about marriage happiness, about how when you um, really don't expect much. You don't need much to feel like your marriage is going really well. Um, but I wanted to talk specifically about this today, about how to achieve perspective in your marriage. And if there's some way that we can define how for you as a listener or a reader of Hitched to know whether or not you are doing well. And um, 
as we were just talking off air, I, one of the things I brought up to kind of fill this story in a little bit is I feel like I know some people in my life, this is not me, uh, who would qualify in that top 1% of as a California resident. But I know for a fact they would never – first off, they don't think they're rich. Um, and we can, you, you know, I don't want to get into the debate on what being rich means, but they would never think that they are in the top 1%. And when you twist that around and think about what does that mean, that means you are doing better than 99%, economically at least, than the other, than your neighbors essentially uh, in the state of California. And I don't think they realize that. And, um, you know, and you could talk about, is it good to realize that you're not doing better because what does that do to your psyche and all these other things? Um, but it just gets back to this whole concept of perception and having some being able to look down on yourself to see how you're doing. And again, particularly, I want to talk about marriage and relationships. Um, and so, uh, to start this off, Karen, um, I think one of the things that I think we can agree that a lot of people might believe because they died married to the same person, they did a good job at marriage. They made it to the end. What do you think is a good marker or a is a marker of a successful marriage? I'm not going to answer that question directly yet. <laughs> okay. I'm going to make some other comments. Um, let's first talk about perception. Okay. Um, perception does have a huge amount to do with your happiness. Um, and it really is all about your perception. Uh, there are people, uh, when they do research who really hypothetically don't have the right to be happy about certain things by certain criteria. And yet if they perceive that they're happy, then they're happy. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of times we can't have objective criteria. Criteria It really is determined by what your perception is. So, you know, because then if you perceive that you are a certain way, you're going to act consistent with that perception. And that's going to have a lot to do with, especially in a marriage, how you act to your partner and then how they'll act, react back to you, et cetera, et cetera. The other comment that I wanted to make was that, and I think we've actually made this comment on a previous podcast. I remember when there was um, some divorce going on between some famous couple and the person who was commenting about it on the air was saying, well, they had a successful marriage. They were married 25 years. And I really took offense to that because mm -hmm. just because people are married for a long time um, doesn't mean that it's successful, number one. And number two, if they're breaking up, then how can we say it was successful? If it was yeah. successful, why would it be breaking up? So, you know, now to your question, just because somebody dies and they have remained married to the same person, I do not necessarily believe that they did a good job at their marriage. They did a good job at in somehow managing to stay together, but there's lots of reasons people stay together. It doesn't necessarily mean that they had what would be a good marriage. Mm -hmm. um, so 
what's a good marriage? I think a good marriage is where each partner feels that their needs are respected and that they're getting something from the marriage. So it's a it's a personal fulfillment that you receive from your partner? Yes, but it has to be that each partner feels that they're being satisfied. It can't be one-sided. As a matter of fact, one of the theories, I hate to cut you off, but one of the theories about a good marriage is that you stay in the marriage or in a relationship, really, if the reward is greater than the cost. Mm. And once the cost outweighs the reward, that that's when a relationship will end. So each partner has to feel that the reward outweighs the cost. Okay. Oh, that's actually, that's a very, um, I don't want to say scientific because I don't think that's the right word, but it's very analytical way of looking at it. Um, I just wanted to bring this up when we talk about perspective and, and um, behavioral science and things of that nature. I was listening to a, a different podcast where uh, one of the co-authors of uh, the Freakonomics Empire, Stephen Dubner, mm-hmm. was talking, and he was discussing um, how perception is all related to your environment – or, or he was just kind of making this point, and the example that he used was, if I gave you a thousand dollars, you would be extremely happy with that, and you'd think like, "Wow, this is amazing." Um, until I told you that I gave the person next to you two thousand dollars, and then all of a sudden you feel cheated, right? And you still have the same one thousand dollars. It's just your perception of what that means now. There's a different value proposition that has been put forward because you are valued now less than the person next to you. So this can get really complicated uh, as you dig down that rabbit hole. Um, and so moving on here, uh, Karen, is, is a good marriage um, – we kind of talked about this of mutual feeling of fulfillment and getting more out of it than you've – like you feel like you're better off because you're in it than you would be outside of it. Um, is it a like, are there any um, things outside of how you feel about your doing that that would be indicators? Well, yeah, you see, now it's it's interesting because it's it is how I feel about my marriage, about my relationship, but in my mind, it's more than just emotions. So certainly it's about your emotions, but it's also, do you work well together? Do you, and and when I say work well together, what I mean is, do you function well together? Um, What that is for each couple might vary. Mm -hmm. Um, But do you do the business of your relationship well together? And business doesn't, this gets so complicated, business doesn't necessarily mean how you pay the checks. But for instance, let's say that you really love opera and I hate it, Mm -hmm. okay? Does that create a conflict or do you come up with some kind of compromise where 
I go to the opera with you because that's something that you feel very passionate about. And then you do something with me that I'm passionate about, or we work out some kind of an arrangement where you share the opera with some friends and I don't get offended. And there are some times where I do something uh, that you don't enjoy and you don't get offended. So in other words, the couple works out the specifics of their relationship in a way that there's still respect and harmony. I want to I want to interject really quick here. Uh, apologize for cutting off the, the thought. Um, one of the things that I want to point out about that is you talked about how that is an arrangement or an agreement mm-hmm. and not a sacrifice. Correct. Because I think that's important because if you go into this like I will sacrifice my time to go to this opera but now you owe me one mm-hmm. where it's it's the wrong connotation you need to be taken to all this stuff. It needs to be, oh yeah, I I I look forward to doing something like that with you and spending time because I know it makes you happy and who knows, I might actually find myself enjoying that particular play or something and that might Correct. be part of the bargaining agreement of I don't want to go to Broadway but my spouse really knows that I love Rocky and therefore maybe that's the play that I go to or something along those lines. Correct. Right. Okay. So I'll give you a real life example. My husband loves sci-fi and that is just not my thing. Mm -hmm. So our arrangement is that either he watches it late at night when, because he stays up later than I do many times, or he goes to sci-fi with some friends or, and don't laugh, either on his birthday or father's day, I will willingly agree. I, as a matter of fact, I suggest let's go to a sci-fi movie because those are his special days. So, you know, I want him to be happy. That's awesome. So are you telling me that you have not been watching Westworld then? What is Westworld? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tell your husband if he hasn't watched Westworld yet. It's the new HBO series. Okay. And it's amazing. And it is okay. so in-depth. And there's so many layers to that onion. I can't even I, – I, I could start, my, uh, start a, a separate podcast on just Westworld. It's so amazing. Anyways, Okay. I will continue. share that with him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. I, I love that idea. And, um, I will, uh, also let you know that, um, my spouse, uh, has, uh, taken me to movies that she wasn't particularly, um, excited about going to mm-hmm. on my birthday specifically as a treat to me. And right. she loved it. She loved it. Not uh-huh. the, not the actual movie, but she loved the experience of seeing my joy, right, <laughs> something right, right. that she wouldn't have gone to herself. Um, okay. Uh, did you have any other points to add on that one or do you want to move? Okay. Uh, okay. So then I guess the other thing is we, we've been talking about your, your fulfillment and, and, and feeling like you are getting something out of this and there's more benefits than not. Uh, But sometimes your perception is, is radically skewed. You're not quite seeing a very clear picture of the situation. And Mm -hmm. so how do you know if your emotions are lying to you? How can you gain that outside perspective? And I'm, I'm thinking in particular about people who may stay in abusive relationships because they have rationalized that the other person is, is treating them, um, in an unhappy way, let's say, uh, because they just love them so much. Uh, so how, how do we know that our perspective and our feelings aren't just lies? My answer to that is that 
people like that are probably not going to even question their perspective because to stay in an abusive relationship, you would have to really protect yourself from looking at the truth. Um, And it's generally, in my opinion, from my years of experience, not so much because you think you're not staying in that relationship because you think the other person loves you, but it's really because of issues that you have, um, that you feel somehow you're going to hurt the person, that you think somehow they're going to change, that you think that you're not worthy, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're staying in an abusive relationship, um, it's going to be not likely that you're going to be self-reflective and consider that you have a perspective that's off. Mm. You, one of the things you mentioned is the fact that you would protect yourself from seeing the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find yourself unhappy or is there a way that you could force yourself to – like when I'm reading news, for example, I know uh, as a news consumer when something is just straight wrong – but mm-hmm. I will force myself to read the opposing view to try to understand what other people find appealing about this fake news um, that that they have kind of bought into. Is there a way for somebody who has blocked that truth from them to s- recognize that they're doing that, I guess would be the first step so that this they could is- then seek something out? This won't be the first time that I've said this to you on this podcast. You're unusual, Steve. Most people do not look for any evidence that differs from the way that they're already thinking. It's actually called the disconfirmation bias, where we don't want to take in any information that will go against what we already believe. So they're certainly not going to look for something that is going to prove or show different from what they already are, you know, thinking. Okay. Uh, one of these days I'm going to do a super cut of all the times where you tell me that I'm, (laughs) yeah, I'm not a normal person. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, we will move on then because it sounds like there is no easy solution to that one. Yeah. If you're, if you, if your emotions really are lying to you, well, 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 I take that back. Say something. I I do want to ask something about that. Okay. I was going to say something. Emotions always override clear thinking and you know that's why nobody comes and calls me until excuse me the um how do i say this? go ahead this is an adult podcast this is talking about marriage until the shit hits the fan yeah okay because people really don't want to deal with things until it gets really really bad so you know we are humans And the nice part about that is that we have emotions. And the bad part of that is we have emotions. (laughs) So emotions really cloud our clear thinking. And unless things get really, really awful um, and it's just hitting us in the face, um, we're not going to look at certain things. Mm, Okay. I was going to also ask your opinion on the fact that – a lot of times when it's when you're sitting there and you have this perspective where you can't see the whole truth around you, um, I'm, a, I'm guessing it would be beneficial at that point to have a group of people around you that might help out. And one of the things 
you know, when you talk about weddings, and I know we are marriage, not weddings, but one of the, there's a lot of symbolism that takes place in a wedding ceremony um, from the the flowers over the womb as fertility and all sorts of stuff. But the, the bridesmaids and the groomsmen are there um, not to just help put people into seats, uh, but in fact to be your sounding board in your marriage as the years go on, like these are your confidants. Is there a way that um, some people from the outside would be able to help with your perspective or shed light on your situation that, or if it, do you find that when people are in a situation like this and, and specifically when it's an abusive one that they have gotten so good at hiding the truth from everybody else that it, this is an unlikely scenario? Nobody is ever going to make a change until they're ready to make a change. Okay. I even had a client years ago who came to me and said, I know I am in an abusive relationship. I need to get out. And there were so many different things we attempted to do. And it just didn't work because deep down, she really was not ready to give up that relationship. And was that because she saw more as going back to what we were originally talking about, because she saw more benefit in staying in it than the negatives of the abuse that she was receiving? No, because um, there was something about the relationship that felt very familiar and comfortable to her mm. based on her childhood. Got it. She was replaying it and she just couldn't give it up. Got it. Okay. Um, okay. I, l- let's move on. So we also know that it's not good to compare ourselves to other marriages because you never know what's going on behind closed doors. And we've talked about this in the past about social media making things even worse because you only see good things for the most part posted on Facebook or whatnot. People don't post like, hey, me and my spouse had this blowout argument last Mm -hmm. night and we broke all of our dishes. Right. So what are some examples of good marriages, I guess we could even go fictional that we can trust as, oh, that that's what it should look like. I think that, you know, I, I don't know that I can point to any relationship and say, oh, they are that. Although, wait, wait, wait. I think I can. And I hope that this is not going to start a whole political fury. <laughs> I think the Obamas have a good relationship. Um, it seems to me that it's a very respectful relationship and and what i want to i want to so why do you say that because we know looking from the outside in that it's really tough to know what goes on behind closed doors so what yeah so what what is it about their relationship that you feel like you recognize respect in it and whatever else you're about to say sorry there was a blurb and this doesn't have to do with michelle but it's the way he speaks about her um it was the way he um, addressed her, looked at her, responded to her, you know, when they were dancing, things like that. Uh, but all that could be show. But more importantly, there was a blurb recently, and I know I'm going to get into trouble now, but there was a blurb recently comparing the way Trump spoke about Ivanka and the way Obama spoke about his two girls. And there was such a difference in the fatherly respect that Obama used. And 
that is pretty much the way my perception, but here's perception again, mm-hmm. of the way he would speak about Michelle. Okay. But let's broaden it. Let's get off politics because I don't want people to say, I don't want to listen to these podcasts anymore, depending on your political um, views. The number one factor in a good marriage, and we know this from very, very solid research, is respect. And so if you see that a couple shows respect towards each other, that is a good indication that they have a good marriage. How do you see it? Mm-hmm. That at a party, they, I'm going for a drink. Can I get you something? Uh, that when they talk about their family, they will refer, they'll use the plural um, uh, first person, our children, not my, my daughter, my son. Because uh, that's indications of them working as a team, of seeing themselves as partners. Um, that when their partner is speaking, they're listening. Um, that there's an attitude of um, interest that they're showing when their partner is talking or whatever, as opposed to making fun or, you know, rolling eyes or making jokes at the partner's expense. Those are indications that they socially are demonstrating respect. That can't be put on. That's Mm -hmm. not a show. And so I think that that would be an indication. Is there a difference between putting on a show of respect and actual respect because you could just know like you know it's good practice to say these things or do these things in public or do you find that you know if somebody goes through that kind of effort to put on a show of respect in public they're probably the same person that's going to carry it on in private my gut feeling steve is that if you can consistently do that with ease it's probably going on at home as well it's mm-hmm. not just a show got it because we know that the but that your actions become habits yeah right? so and and all that jazz so okay uh yeah. did i, I did, did i cut you off I'm no, sorry. no no okay i was just reflecting on it okay so um so respect, showing res- finding somebody in your life where you are able to recognize the respect being demonstrated between a couple. Mm-hmm. That would kind of be a good indicator. Um, and what do you do with that information, I guess? Is you try to mimic it or do you just, re- to your point, reflect on how you can better show respect for your spouse? Yeah. And, and now when I say it, showing I, I, I'm sorry when I say showing respect um, I guess there's also a difference between showing respect and actually respecting them I think you're probably right and and, and that was going to go to my next point that I think you need to also demonstrate appreciation Um the, and the appreciation is sort of like tied in with the respect because, you know, it's fine if you respect the person, but if you don't let them know it, 
I, I think that you're shortchanging your partner. So, um, you know, by telling them, um, I really appreciated that you did so-and-so or that, you know, you work so hard or um, that you took the time to do X, Y, and Z. That will really, that's, that's such a nice combination mm-hmm. of the respect and the appreciation. I, I lo- yeah, that, I think that's a really great point because the more my, uh, I was talking this out, um, out loud, the more I started to think about the fact that there have been many situations where I have been respectful to people mm-hmm. where I didn't actually have respect for them, but I was demonstrating courtesy. Right. Um, and because I think that's a proper and polite thing to do. Um, and so I, I could see how somebody could go through a relationship in that same manner where they demonstrate proper courtesy and respect for the person, but not actually have it. Um, but there's the, an the, element but missing, right? There's, there's the element. And yeah. I think you, you hit the nail on the head with the appreciation and not only just having that appreciation, but expressing that appreciation for that other person, because that is something where it's no longer a courtesy. That is uh, a, an emotion that you are exuding uh, uh, and, and conveying to that individual. Right. To your spouse. See, the other thing also is that you want balance, okay? So what you really want is a combination of connection on the physical, on the emotional, um, you know, and and you don't want it to be like, oh, we, we have great sex all the time, but we can never talk to each other. You don't want to have a relationship where you talk, 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 but there's, you know, no physicality to the relationship. So in the best marriage, you're going to have a combination of all of all of it. And please excuse me at the moment, I'm seeing what I used to explain to my classes. And there's a third element and it's it's um, eluding me at this point. Um, but the point is that that. You want to have, um, you know, all three. So when you said like just being courteous, that's not enough. It's got to be that there's the physical, the emotional connection, and I forget what the third is. <laughs> and I apologize for that. Well, but, I, I, you know, where, where you're not just going through motions, but mm-hmm. there's, there's a real connection. There's you're a being, real intimacy. You're being thoughtful about it. And I was just going to add that as you're going through this list of things um, – this might sound like, holy crap, this is a lot of work. Like there's a lot of things to think about and all this other stuff. One of the things, um, uh, there's a podcast that we did a while back, not you and I on the hitch podcast, uh, it was with Dr. Sue Johnson and she talks about relationships as a dance. Yes. And one of the, the thing that I love about that dance metaphor is if you try to break down every step, it can seem really complicated. But when you can start hearing the music, mm-hmm. you just go and you yes. don't think about it. And not only are you not – is it not this labor-intensive activity, but it is fun and People look forward to going to the club and all this other stuff. And that's kind of the same way here is when you are hearing the music and you're hitting all those right notes, you're not really thinking about it. You're just kind of doing it and it's fun and enjoyable. And as you have talked about a lot is when you throw that stuff at your spouse, it bounces right back and they give it back to you. So when you're 
doing this respectful stuff to the, for them and showing them appreciation and all this stuff, they start moving to the same rhythm of the music that you are moving to, and it becomes this like seamless, fluid dance. Absolutely. And the only piece I'm going to add to that is that periodically you do get out of sync. You yeah. all, each person has within them the power to bring it back. You just have to remember, it's like riding a bicycle, what the steps were go back to it. And as soon as you start doing it, the other person goes back in line with you again. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So last question here. If you feel like you're in a good marriage, you've listened to this episode and you're like, you know what? We got this. We're, we're, we're good. But, and here's the but, uh, you want to make get even more out of it. You're like, you know what? I feel like I'm living a very good marriage. I want the fairy tale. Uh, and I know we've talked about that. That doesn't exist, but you want to do better. And I, for me personally, like I always want to do better. So, uh, what do you think is something people can focus on that is often ignored based on your experience? Like what's some low hanging fruit where you're like, you know what, if people just did this, I see it so often, it's so easy, but people just ignore it. What do you, what do you got for us? How about just asking your spouse, what more can I do? that would make you happy. Mm. Okay. That would make you feel more satisfied. What more, you know, do you think we can do to make this wonderful marriage even better? Yeah. I we talk about it a lot. Like we continue to play this game of guess guessing. Yeah. And we don't have to. Correct. <laughs> We're in a relationship where we can talk to the other person. Right. Um and and if they are giving you the, like, I'm good, I'm good, whatever. Um, you know, do you just take them as like, all right, they're, they're fine. Or do you try to push and just say like, no, 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 really? I, 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 I want to be better. Well, you can do that. Or you can say, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that you're good and I am good too, but let's each think and come back to each other in a week or so about, you know, just some ideas that we could do to shake it up a little bit, to make it novel, to make it even better than it is now. Yeah, because I think you could come back to them and just say, like, surely um, there has to be something that either I do that you wish I wouldn't do, or there are things that I do that annoy you, or there you feel like we're not going out on enough dates, or you really miss when we used to do these things. There's, there's, there's got to be something that you could do. Um, I know my spouse and I have these conversations a lot. Like every once in a while we'll go on, you know, a couple weeks will pass and then I'll be like, Oh, you know what? We need to go out this week. We really right. need to like make an effort this week because I just feel like we haven't been out for a couple weeks and like we need to do something. And so, yeah. So it, Steve, you know what this is bringing me to? <laughs> I think, but go ahead. To your regular check-ins with each other. Ah, uh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So for those who have forgotten or who have not listened to a podcast, and that is just so silly because we offer so much good information, the check-ins are, you just sort of say, let's review the last week or the last couple of weeks. What have we done that's been working? And then not, you don't go negative. You say, what couldn't we do that can be improved upon. Mm -hmm. And then that would really talk to the question of how do we make this marriage better? There we go. You've been giving us 
the, that advice for years now. I just need to listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we have we have new listeners, so this might be their very first podcast. So this might be the first time they're hearing that information. So I'm glad you uh, brought it back up. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to give you the big question. Anything else to add? I thought that I did that throughout the podcast today. You, di- you did. You did. You were constantly <laughs> adding good little bits. Okay. We will We will uh, then wrap it up with that note. Uh, so thank you so much, Karen. Love doing the episodes. Love doing the podcast with you. Uh, and I will keep flattering you with good <laughs> descriptions in the beginning of this episode to keep you coming back. So thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. All right. I want to remind everyone that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist and related relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can find all the past episodes on our website, hitchedmag.com, along with thousands of of articles uh, discussing everything from money to in-laws to the holidays uh, to sex to technology. We, we cover the gamut of, we try to be all-encompassing of a married lifestyle. So uh, if you haven't visited the website yet, I encourage you to do so. Um, and so I want to say one last time, thank you so much, Karen. And thank you, Steve. And until next time, take care, everybody. Each other's eyes, we know that it's showtime.